the Othello Foursquare podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit othellofoursquare.org. Man, uh, <clears throat> I want to introduce myself. If you guys don't know me, my name's Enoch, uh, my beautiful wife, Myrna. And um, I've got Jacob, Lucas, Cruz, and Olivia. We came in to visit family uh, for a couple of weeks, and we're here. And so we're just happy to be here. Um, but we pastor, we co-pastor a church in, in Southern California in, in Fullerton, where uh, it's a really unique model. Uh, the Lord allowed uh, us to partner with another couple. And uh, we all have our, our different giftings, and we all kind of operate in, in our gifts. Um, I, I'm... I'm administratively gifted and, and gifted in worship and things. And so those are the areas that I lead. Um, and my wife, she does an amazing job with, with women's ministry and, and, um, and uh, a few other areas. She is also very administratively gifted as well. And so we're just happy to be here. Um, and I, I got to say, I'm super proud of your pastors. Yeah. I am super proud of your pastors. I... Um, I think of them often. They don't know this, but they kind of inspire me, and uh, so I, I try to keep people who inspire me close. So uh, that that uh, I want to make sure that that I leave that part with you. And this morning we were getting ready for worship, and and it seemed like I had to plug a different a bunch of different cables in to get my guitar to work. But in the process, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing Kenzie um, kind of lead the band and lead, and lead the group, and she's a phenomenal leader. She's a phenomenal leader. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at her and she's doing her thing. And I noticed that Everly is on stage and she grabs a, a microphone that's been disconnected. that's laying on the floor. And unbeknownst to anybody on the team, because I, I looked around, unbeknownst to anyone else, this little girl is looking at her mom. And she's imitating her hand gestures, her facial expressions. And I'm thinking, man, Kenzie, you have no idea the kind of impact that you're leaving on this little girl. That, that, the, that, that the foundation that you're laying, that, that the two of you are laying uh, in this house is a foundation that even your children will be able to build upon. And, um, and I just want to bless you guys. You guys are amazing. Love you guys. Um, I, I'm <laughs> let's, let's give it up for your pastors. I, I don't get to preach very often, and, uh, and when I do, I really take a, a lot of time to s- ask the Lord, what do you want me to share? Because it's not like I can come back next week and make up for it, right? <laughs> so uh, in, in, in my prayer and, and, and just kind of getting ready to be here with you guys, the Lord really impressed on my heart that I needed to, t- to speak about something that doesn't get spoken about very often. And the truth is, is that it's, it's a difficult topic to preach on because it's hard to preach uh, on the topic of repentance and not make it seem like you're judging everybody. And I, see, I think that that's probably the reason why most preachers don't preach on that. And I, I just really felt impressed by the Lord that I needed to speak on this. And so I didn't want to. <laughs> uh, but I'm here and I, I want to give you guys a good word today. So um, let me just pray and, and, uh, 
and we'll get started with the message. Heavenly Father, I just, I just want to thank you for everything that you're doing in this house. I want to thank you for your Holy Spirit and, and the way that you've been moving in this place. Father, I pray that you would rest on us in such a way that we would embrace your word today. I, I pray that as we spend our time together, that your Holy Spirit would, would grow closer and closer to us and that we would grow closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's see. Um, I wanted to talk about repentance. Repentance, it, it, it's kind of a, it's one of those Christianese words. It's a, it's a, it's a word that's really only said in church. And repentance, we got to get, we got to define it. So let's go ahead and define what repentance is. Repentance isn't just turning around and walking 180 degrees the opposite way. It's not just that. What it is, is it's a change of heart and it's a change of mind. It's, it's saying, you know what, I was once this, but I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm going to be this, okay? So when, when I decided to, um, to become an entrepreneur, I, 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 I'm an entrepreneur, and that's part of the reason why we're co-pastoring, because, you know, we, we, we make a living for our family and things, and I, it was in my heart not to really take anything from the church. And so I'm an entrepreneur, and, and our co-pastor, he also has a full-time job, and so working together really works out. But when I decided to be a, uh, an entrepreneur, there was a, t- there was a moment in my, t- in my life where I had to say, I am not going to be regularly employed anymore, and I'm going to be self-employed. I had to make that decision. And w- once you jump off the boat, you, can't, you can't, can't be going back and forth. It just doesn't work that way. And so repentance is a lot like that. It's making a decision to say, you know what? I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm going to be this. Okay? And so... Repentance is cutting off the idea and being comfortable with that, and now you're going to come and you're going to embrace this, okay? An- another example of repentance, and this, is, this might sound a little weird, but repentance is when you get married. <laughs> repentance is when you get married, or it should be. If you, got, if, <laughs> if you got married and you didn't repent, you did it wrong. Because when you're single, you're like, I'm available for whatever God has for me, right? When you get married, you're no longer single, whatever God has for you. You're committed to one person. When you, when, when, when you get married, you say no to the rest and you say yes to one, right? That's the way it should be. So that's what repentance is. But we really can't get into the topic of repentance without understanding what we need to repent from and, and, and what the, where we are with the love of God. I love what Cameron was saying about uh, their first year. They talk about for, uh, sonship. They talk about sonship. And what does that mean? That means that when you become, when you give your life to Jesus, when you're, when you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I want to be a I want to have faith. I want, I want to trust God. I want to know who God is. You get saved and, and, and you ask God to be your savior. And understanding what it's like to live and walk in his love is huge. The reason that we need to repent, <laughs> it's, not, it's not for anything else other than to understand that now you're saying no to everyone else and everything else, and you're saying yes to one. You're saying yes to God. And so to, to really understand what the idea of repentance is, is you have to think about the love of God. And, and, so, uh, and then you also have to think about uh, what it is that we're repenting from. And we're repenting from sin. We're repenting from a sinful uh, lifestyle, sinful thoughts, and things like that. And, and so sin is what separates us from God. And at some point, 
I think all of us have understood what sin really is, but at the end of the day, I, I'm going I'm to generally define it. Sin is being selfish. Sin is just being selfish. Uh, no, I, I can make it a list a mile long, and I could, I'll probably call out your sin, and I'll, and I'll call a lot of mine out too. But sin is being selfish. So in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all at some point embraced this thing called sin in our lives, and sin is the same thing as, as selfish, selfishness, and the solution to the cycle of sin is genuine repentance. Uh, Jesus, he went around and he started his ministry in Matthew 4, 17. He started his ministry by saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he, uh, he in, in Luke 5, uh, 32, it says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners into repentance. Uh, in, in church planting, uh, that's what, we have experience doing, but in church planting, they always say, hey, when you stop having baptisms, you know your church is dying. You know you're on the downward trend when you stop having baptisms. And uh, a baptisms is something that we, that we do in order to publicly declare, hey, I've decided to follow Jesus, right? And so uh, I want to I encourage you guys into that and, and uh, know that God has called uh, uh, the sinners into repentance. And uh, when Jesus calls us to repent, it's, it's actually not a suggestion. <laughs> and, and there's really, I, I, it's funny, I, I tell my kids this all the time, and I, I've, been trying, I've been working on the, my patience, I've been working on uh, just being the best possible human I can be, and hopefully I can be a good dad, and hopefully I can be a good husband out of that. But I, I talk to my kids, and I'm like, hey, um, could you go you know, clean your room, or could you go take out the trash, or could you go do whatever. And, and, it, and, and I talk like that to try to be kind. And then, you know what happens? My kids are amazing. I love my kids. But you know what happens? Sometimes they ignore me. They ignore me when, when I'm like, hey, can you please? And, and then I have to remind them. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm only being kind because I'm trying to be a good human being. But it's actually not an option. You actually need to go clean your room. You actually do need to go, you know what I mean? And it's like, so Jesus, he's, he's going out and he's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. As the people of God, we need to know that we've got to be able to walk out our lives in the lifestyle of repentance. I want to... Um, I want to give you a little bit of history on the passage that I'm really going to cover today. The Roman Empire uh, at one point had taken over the, the Jewish people. They had taken over the Jewish people and they were oppressing them. And uh, what they would do is they would, they, would appoint, they would take come and they would take over the people, but they wouldn't take out some people. They would leave some people in power in place. For example, they would leave the religious authorities, they would leave them alone as long as whatever they were teaching wasn't going to contradict or go against the Roman government. Uh, they would leave them in place. They would leave, um, they would leave other influential uh, uh, establishments in place in order for them to, to rule or, or uh, oppress people the proper way. And I, you know, I thought that was funny because isn't that like the enemy? Like he wants to kind of like, 
he kind of wants to rule over you, but he doesn't want to take everything from you. Like, he'll let you come to church. As long as you don't, as long as you leave the same way that you came. Like, he's not going to bother you, right? Like, he'll, he'll let you think that you're blessed. He'll let you, he'll let you do all kinds of stuff without bothering you. As long as, as, long as he could still kind of have you by the ankle. You know what I'm saying? So that's the Roman government. The Roman government was oppressing the Jewish people. And, and uh, what they would also do is they would assign tax collectors amongst the Jewish people. And they would, they would pull them out. And they would say, hey, look, we need this amount of percentage from everybody who lives in this city. And whatever you collect after that is whatever you collect after that. So that was the rule. Okay, so I, I needed to explain that in order for, for, uh, for this next passage to make a little bit more sense. Uh, Jesus, at one point, he tells a parable, and, and this, uh, this parable, a parable is basically like a story, like a fable. It has some kind of meaning to us, uh, and so we should try to figure out where we are. Um, as a little kid growing up in Sunday school, I loved our Sunday school teachers. Those were the best moments uh, growing up in church where they would tell these stories, and you would... Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I, I did grow up in church, and I would always try to figure out, okay, who in this, who could I be like in this story? Who am, or who am I? Where am I in the story? I would always try to put myself in the, in the picture, and I, I, I want to be able to do that again today. Um, but this, this passage is found in, um, and, and, and Jesus was talking about this parable. This parable has two different characters in it. It has a Pharisee, and it has a tax collector. A Pharisee is like a religious ruler, uh, and the tax collector he was, he was actually more than just a tax collector. In the eyes of the Jewish people, he was a traitor. And the reason he was a traitor was because he would take more than what was required by the government. And, and he, they would do it faithfully. Why? Because they're getting rich and everyone else is kind of like struggling to pay their bills, you know? And so in Luke 18, 9 through 14, it says, He, referring to Jesus, also told this parable to some who, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, did you notice that my voice changed a little bit? It's because when I'm holy, I, my voice changes. God, I thank you that I'm not like this, these other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but would beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you that the man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, just kind of thinking about uh, <laughs> what I was telling you earlier about being in Sunday school and trying to picture myself like in the, like in the Bible in these stories. Um, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about these two characters and, and, and what I kind of pulled out from this passage. Um, for the sake of being real, I, 
I kind of, I'm looking at these two characters and I, I'm seeing the, the Pharisee over here and I'm seeing the, the sinner and the tax collector over here and, I, and, and I'm thinking, where do, where do I fit? Where do I fit? And um, the truth is, you know, <laughs> I read this passage and I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't fit. I don't fit. And I, and, I, and I think maybe a lot of us, we hear this story and we're saying, oh, we don't fit. I don't fit either. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not super judgy like the Pharisee, but I'm also not, I'm not, I'm also not a traitor. I'm not, I'm not like the sinner, the tax collector either. I'm kind of like somewhere in between, right? And so I, I want to talk a little bit more about these characters and maybe we could figure out where we need to be collectively as the people of God. Let's, uh, let's go back to verse nine. He, referring to Jesus, told the parable to some of them who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. How many times have we looked down at other people or looked at other people and said, and thought to ourselves, you know, um, I'm not like them. Like I see, I see their struggle, like I see their struggle, but that's not my struggle. Like I'm, I'm, uh, that's not me. That's not me. Uh, how many times have we compared ourselves to other people? I, you know, I, I, I think of uh, the age that we live in, and, and I'm, not, I'm not bagging like hard because I'm on social media too, but it's like, it's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy to get caught up on what other people are doing and comparing ourselves to what other people are doing. And it's like, it's crazy because you see the best version of other people and you put it up against us and we know who we are. It's like, we can't, I can't do that. I can't play the guitar like that guy. I can't, I can't lead worship like that guy. I can't dress like that guy. That guy, he loves his wife. He posts about her all the time. That, that guy, man, he's a good dad. He, he's, you always see him posting stuff with his kids. You, you know, we, we can, we can get on and we can, like it's a dangerous place to be, right? And and so we think about we think about other the the way that other people are, and we compare ourselves sometimes, and we begin to look at the lives of others and measure our own lives. Um, and self righteousness isn't something that's actually really easily detected. Uh, you you don't no one here. I I'm sure no one here looks in the mirror and says, "Oh, that's because I have a problem with self righteousness," <laughs> right? <laughs> That's, that's like said, said no one. That should be a t-shirt, right? I, you know, and it's, it's like no one really says that. Uh, and the, 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 here's another sign uh, that maybe we might be a little closer to the, the self-righteous camp is that when, when we think about who our neighbor is, like biblically speaking, if you guys know the passage where Jesus says you have to love your neighbor as yourself. And then one of the guys pipes up, he said, who's my neighbor? And then he, Jesus basically goes along and explains to him, well, everybody's your neighbor. When we, when we catch ourselves asking the same question, well, who's my neighbor? And maybe, maybe we're a little bit closer to the, to the Pharisees camp than what we think. You know, and it's funny because we look at, we look at our own lives and um, we tend to give ourselves a little bit more grace and mercy than what we actually give away. Right? And I'll tell you why. It's because we, we judge ourselves by, by our intentions. Because I know what I meant when I said that, honey. 
right? We judge ourselves by our own intentions. We don't necessarily judge ourselves by our actions, but we judge everyone else by their actions. It's like, oh my God. So what are you saying? Am I a Pharisee? I don't know. I'm not talking to you. Let's continue reading. Verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself thus prayed, I think that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all that I get. The Pharisee, I don't know, I kind of went through that little punch list that he made and I was like, oh, all right. See, I'm a pastor. I'm kind of, it's kind of my thing. No, you know, no big deal. And I'm, and I'm looking at it, and I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, man, you know, this guy kind of has it together. <laughs> he kind of has it together, doesn't he? I mean, look, look at this guy. He, um, he isn't, he's not like the rest. He's set himself apart for the work of God. He doesn't cheat on people. He, uh, uh, he isn't unfair with people. He, he doesn't cheat on his wife or have extramarital affairs. Or he, you know, and, 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 and he executes discipline on a regular basis by fasting twice a week. And, and he, he sets aside some of his finances for the house of God. I mean, after you, you look at all these things like, well, maybe he, he kind of does have it together, doesn't he? And this guy, um, I think the problem with this guy is that he's, he's proud. And in James, it talks about how God opposes the proud. But gives gives grace to the humble, and so on paper, <laughs> he he's not lying. On paper, he's not lying. But the truth is, is that God doesn't really look at what's on the outside, does He? God looks at what's on the inside, right? And so the fact is, is that many of us have unintentionally pitched our tent in the self righteous camp. We haven't even realized it. If we don't humble ourselves before God, we cannot find ourselves. We can find ourselves saying that we don't need to repent from anything. Often the change that needs to happen is not our thought about sin because we all know what sin is. Often what needs to change is not our thought about sin because we all know what sin is. Often the thing that needs to change is our thought about God. It's our thought about him. It's, about, it's, it's our thought about how much he loves us and, and what he would do for us. Because thinking about uh, our relationship with God is the same way we think about our, our, our marriage or our marriages or our families. What wouldn't we do for our families? What wouldn't we do for our, for our spouses? What wouldn't we do? I know what I wouldn't do. I would never. I, and and I, my goal is to never, never have an extramarital affair. Like I'll never do that. I, ho I hope to God that I can stand behind that. I was, uh, I took my son to L.A. L.A. happens to be one of his favorite places to go. And so we don't live in L.A. We live outside of L.A. And we drove into L.A. And he's like, man, I love L.A. And, and that morning, I just happened to forget my wedding ring. I, 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 I showered and I left it and, and, and I wasn't wearing it. And, Dad's, and he's like, hey, you're not wearing your wedding ring. And I'm like, huh, that's funny. I'm not wearing my wedding ring. He goes, you need to be careful. <laughs> and I, I said, Jacob, Jacob, um, no, I, I, I get that and I appreciate that. That's good. I, I said, I said, but um, 
tell me to be careful when, I, when I'm flirting with the, with the girl. He said, I, that's not me. That's not my, that's not my vibe. Like, I, I don't put out those kind of vibes because I only have that vibe with one person, and that's my lady. So it doesn't really matter if I'm wearing a wedding ring or not, but point, point taken. So I'm wearing mine today. So just, um, but um, our thought about God. See, here's the thing about God. God knows us, doesn't he? God knows exactly who we are. God knows the good. He knows the bad. He knows the ugly. He knows the things that we're trying to hide. And he loves us anyway, doesn't he? I, I found myself getting really emotional uh, this morning. And uh, I always chalk that, the crying and the tears and the emotions, I, I chalk that up to, to, uh, to just being sensitive to what God has for me. Because, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I, really, I really don't like to, to get emotional or cry. But... What I do believe is that God gave us our emotions for us to realize when he's near. There, there's, a, there's a reverence, there's a sacredness that it comes when you approach God. It's like, dude, don't, don't come to God like that. Like, come, come, come to God like with an open heart. And I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I, I'm kind of a little jumbled here, but I, and I, and I, I want to make sure I cover this. But I just said, don't come to God like that. Don't come to God proud. That's the only way you shouldn't come to God. If you're ready and you know God is calling you, you are good enough to be in God's presence. Because that's, that's what this sermon is about. It's about repenting. And, and you, there's, there, there isn't one broken and one repentant or one contrite heart that God will not come and, 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 and abide in. Like, there's, there's no one that God does not want to save. That's amazing news, isn't it? There's no, there's no one that God does not want to save. And so knowing and, and changing our thought about God is important. Let's continue reading. Verse 13. But the tax collector standing off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's time to humble ourselves. It is time for us to repent from being proud and from ignoring the word of the Lord. It's time for us to, to repent from having it all figured out. From having it all figured out. Man, I've been going to church a long time. Don't tell me I got to repent. I know. I know. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, God will meet you in ways beyond your imagination when you come to him ready to say, you know what? I'm, like, I'm not going to put you, I'm not going to put you second. Many of us, I, everybody here loves God. I'm not, not even talking to that at all. Everybody loves God. Everybody loves God. The question is, is where is he at? Where is he at? And, and I, let's, let, let's get this idea out of our head that we have to be pastors of four, Othello Foursquare Church to be like, to be like up here. Because that's not the point. That's not the point at all. 
You don't have to know how to preach. You don't know how to, know how to lead people. You don't have to know how to, how to lead worship or play an instrument or be, even be here to turn the lights on. You don't have to do any of that in order to really love God with everything. It's time to repent from having it all figured out and turn to God in humility and ask, how can I please you today? It's time to repent from keeping God at the bottom of our priority list. It's time to repent from conveniently ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's time to repent from being too busy for God. And when we come to church, leaving exactly the same way, unchanged, it is time to repent. In preparation for this message, I'm um, thinking about the last, the last 20 years of my life. It's been about 20 years since I moved to California, and I met my beautiful wife, and we met at Bible school, and, and things. We kind of built our life out there, and um, the Lord has us there, and he's got us doing great things, and I, I, I love what we get to do. I love that I get to minister. I love that I get to be a part of what God is doing. Just having a front row seat to people's lives being changed, to legacies being built. Little girl right there. Having a front row seat is just like, it's such a privilege, it's such an honor for me. But thinking about the last 20 years and thinking about all the things that God has blessed us with and, and uh, I'm like, Lord, how much time did I waste not asking you what you wanted from me. How much time did I waste preparing an offering that you didn't ask for? There's, there's times when I, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing and the Holy Spirit comes and reminds me how much I'm loved. And, uh, and so I, I want to invite you into that love. But in the process, we, we need to come before God and say, God, I'm, I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you my top priority. I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep making, like, I'm not going to keep you at arm's length. Like, I think there's this thing that comes on us that we feel like maybe we can't trust God with who we really are. Like, I, I feel like there's, there's, there's times where, it's like, we know who we are. Like, I, we know who we are deep down inside. We know who we are. But we don't think God can handle who we are. It's like, I wanna, I'm going to enlighten you. You're made in the image of God. By God. With his very breath breathing inside of you. And you think that he can't put up with your garbage? God loves you. Like, I mean, like, he really loves you. Like, he's called you his son. He's called you his daughter. He's, he, he loves you so much that when you felt like you were not a part of his family, he literally adopted you into his family. He adopted you into his family. When you felt like you didn't belong he, and you came to him, he's like, dude, come here. Come here. Come here. You belong to me. You're mine. I, I got you covered. I got your back. Second Chronicles seven fourteen it says, If my people who are called by my name 
will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, repent, then turn to God. Repent, then turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And as I wrap it up, as I wrap it up, as a church, as a people of God, we really kind of don't, we kind of don't have a knowing problem. We don't have a knowing problem. You know what to do. You've been in church a long time. You know what to do. We, we, you don't have a knowing problem. We, we, have a, we have a doing problem. We have a doing problem. And the reason we have a doing problem is because our doing, the things that we do, come out of our being, who we are. So maybe we, we also have a being problem. And if we have a being problem, let me tell you how to be. Can we all be sons and daughters of God? Can we all be sons and daughters of God and then act like it? Let's just act like it. It's like, dude, I belong to Jesus, man. And, you know, I got to tell you, I, I meant to say this at the beginning, but I got caught, I got caught up in Everly's little, her little uh, demonstration there. Um, but I, I meant to tell you guys, there's, there's something about me that you should know is that I don't care what you think. And, and I, I, you, I can talk to you guys. I can't talk to the people in California like that. They get their feelings hurt. Okay. I can talk to you guys. You guys are cool. Uh, you're, you're my people. Okay. You understand what I'm saying. I don't really care what you think. And the reason I don't care what you think is because I know who I am. And what you think about me doesn't influence my identity. Because I know I'm a son of God. I'm not perfect. No, I, no I, I'm not perfect. And, man, I've messed up plenty. And, and my wife can testify. She can testify. But I know who I am. I know who I am. And the question is, is do, you, do, you, do you realize? Do you realize who you are? Do you realize who you are? So as a church, as a people of God, we don't have a knowing problem. We have a doing problem. But the doing problem doesn't stem from what we know. It stems from who we are on the inside. I get convicted all the time, and as a matter of fact, I, I, I'm kind of wrapping up my sermon, and I'm preparing my notes, and, and um, I, I have to share this, and I'm going to wrap this up here, but um, I'm not a long-winded preacher, even though if you'd like to hear another story, I can tell another story. <laughs> my, my, my wife, um, she plays such an important role in my life. Um, She's been a great partner for the last 20 years. And um, the role that she plays in my life is that she is literally the voice of the Holy Spirit to me when I become deaf to what he's trying to tell me. I don't need her to be that all the time because I'm, I'm a, I'm a grown-up. <laughs> so I don't, you know... But when, I, when, I'm, when I'm not acting right, when I'm ignoring what the Holy Spirit is telling me, I can count on her to, to, to be 
the, the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I, I, can't, I can't say it enough, honey. I, I, I thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, she manages her role very carefully as not to crush me, but to help me be molded into the man of God that I can be in order to serve my family better, to serve the church better, and to serve the world better. I'm constantly being challenged uh, when I think about, uh, I'm constantly being challenged about who I, who I am on the inside by the people in my life, uh, my wife, my kids, my closest friends. They all kind of have access to, to me to be able to speak to me and say, hey, you're, you're not right. And I'm sharing that uh, for no other reason other than to make sure that you guys know it is okay to invite people into your life that will hold you accountable to what God has called you to. Not just to do, but to be. I think about the story of David when, when um, he wants to build the temple, the, a temple for the Lord. And what um, he comes to the Lord and he's like, Lord, I want to build a, this temple for you. You know my heart. You know, I want, you know I worship you. You know, like me and you are friends kind of thing. And God's like, yeah, we're tight. But you got a lot of blood on your hands. So I'm going to, I don't want you to build me the temple. I want Solomon to build me the temple. Solomon, your son, to build me the temple. And so... David goes and he gets all the building materials. He pulls them all aside and, and has them on standby for the right time when the Lord gives Solomon permission to build the temple. I thought it was so cool. Like, I didn't understand what that was all about until I had kids. It's like, man, dude, I did some, I'm doing some pretty cool stuff. But, man, I cannot wait to see my kids do some pretty cool stuff. Even better. Even more. Right? And so, I, you know, I'm thinking about uh, th this idea, I, you know, I can get lost from day to day and uh, I've got a super tight schedule and I have a lot of responsibilities and I'm just like you. I have the same struggles that you have. But what I need to remember is that it's, it's easier to walk right, to live right, to love right when my heart is aligned with the heart of God. And the overall solution to sin is genuine repentance. And it's like, bro, that sounds great. That makes a great sermon. But I've been struggling with this thing for a long time. And you don't understand my struggle. And guess what? It's a good thing I'm not Catholic. Because you could, like, you telling me your struggle is not gonna, it's not gonna change anything. But, you understanding how much God loves you and knowing that he loves you so much that he's willing to send his one and only son to hang himself on a cross and be the perfect lamb of God for you. Yeah, yeah, he forgave everyone else, but for you, for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. God loves you. There's nothing that you can do to make him love you less. God loves you. 
to be able to walk away from sin and to be able to repent is to say, you know what? I'm going to be so devoted to this with every fiber of my being that that is not even on the radar. Like, that's not, that's who I used to be. And, and I'll, I'll tell anyone who wants to hear about it, but that's who I used to be. I'm not that anymore. I'm not that anymore. Well, bro, what, what happens if I mess up? Well, it's, a, it's called a lifestyle. It's called a lifestyle. Because there's been times when I don't treat my lady right, and then she lets me know. But when I, when, when I come to her and I'm like, hey, um, can, we, can we get right? Can we make it right? Yeah, if you treat me right, okay, I'll do the best that I can. And as simple as that interaction is, it's the same thing with the Lord. It's the same thing with, you don't need to come to God with fancy words. God doesn't want fancy words, guys. He doesn't even want worship songs sometimes. Sometimes he just wants us to get right with him. So today, I want to invite you into a time of prayer. We're going to, um, I don't know how you want to do it, if, if you're okay with having an altar call or for, yeah, you guys are okay with that? All right. So we do this thing called an altar call where we're going to invite you to come up. And the first thought that's coming through your mind right now, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm using my, my Obi-Wan Kenobi powers on you. The first thought that comes to your mind when I say we're going to open up the altar is, no, I'm not going to go up because I don't want anyone to know about me. And guess what? No one can read your mind. No one knows and no one really actually cares about you in this moment. The only one who cares about you in this moment is God. So I'm going to invite you. If you're like, hey, you know what? I have not made God a priority. Hey, I've been living selfishly. Hey, I've been, I've been doing things that I'm not proud of. And the Lord, is, the Lord is impressing that on your life right now. I want to invite you to come up. Because in this moment, this is a holy moment, guys. Let's, let's treat it like, it like one. This is a holy moment. You, if you're ready and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to, to, um, to come and, and, and turn my life around. I'm ready to allow God to be my priority. I want to invite you. to Let's, let's go ahead and all stand. Let's all stand together. And, and um, let's go ahead and come on up, guys. Um, let's let's uh, kind of turn the music up a little bit. We're going to have some of our leaders come and, uh, come and pray with you and, and, and minister to you. And, and um, it's, it's moment like these. We don't get moments like this very often. And, and if we do, it's only once a week. But I, I want to invite you into a repented lifestyle, into a place where you can just be honest with yourself you can just be honest with yourself and you can be honest with God and say, you know, I, I'm ready to give God my best. I've been giving my best at work. I've been trying to give my best at home. I'm giving my best to what the things that I like and, and stuff like that. And it's, not, it's time for me to give my best to God. hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to partner with OFC, you can give on our website, othellofoursquare.org. Have a blessed day. We'll see you next time.